Greener Grass Podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wee and Kelly McVeigh, now part of the Digitent Podcast Network. How's it going, guys? Thanks so much for being with us. Today we have Joanne Gogan, just outside of Boston. After raising their children, her and her husband thought they were empty nesters, but there was a surprise blessing, and we talk all about Charlie, who has Down syndrome, and the and their incredible story. So we're so excited for you guys to get to know Joanne. Let's get started. So hello, everyone. This is Kelly McVeigh. And I always say that I'm really excited to have a guest, but I am really excited to have Joanne on today. And she is someone that I've really just watched for a really, really long time through social media. Um, Our paths have crossed a few different times in life. And I feel like every time I watch the things that she's posting about her life, her daughter, and she's going to tell you a little bit more about that. I'm inspired and I kind of look at my own life and I think like, oh, I wish that all of us saw life in that way or, or appreciated life in that way and had such joy. And so I'm excited to bring you on today so you can tell a little bit about your story, but I'd love for you to start off by sharing where you live, um, just a little bit about yourself. And I know you have a big family, so just give us a little tip about your life. I do. Well, thank you, Kelly, first off, for asking me. I have enjoyed listening to the podcast and I have, have listened to a number of different episodes and just love the, the concept of this podcast. So thank, um, you. thank you for inviting me to be a guest. Um, so yeah, my name is Joanne Gone. I live in Holliston, Massachusetts. So my claim to fame is I am or from where I live is we live I think about a mile and a half from the start of the Boston Marathon. So I'm okay. 26 miles west of Boston. <laughs> My dad did the Boston Marathon this year. Oh, wow. So full circle. He did the Boston Marathon and he's the, he inspires me also. I've talked about him multiple times on here. Everyone knows he ran the Boston Marathon. I um, love that. Yeah. So I, I love that that's how close you are. Yeah. So we're very close. And it's funny, my husband ran nine Boston marathons. Oh my but gosh. he we lived in um Dedham before we moved here. And so the the joke was that that we, you know, he he never we never lived right here while he was running them <laughs> before we lived here. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so I have five children. So I my five. oldest is five. So we always wanted to have a big family. I actually met my husband in high school. I was for you have daughters, so you will yeah. appreciate this. I was a freshman in high school and he was a senior soccer star. And I came <laughs> yeah. home, one of four girls, and said, Can I go to the movies on Friday night with Amy Pelletier and Scott and Paul? And my dad was like, Paul, who? <laughs> and it was a small town. And my dad was like, You can date when you're 16 and you can date somebody your own age. And I love that. I was the daughter that said, really? Watch me. <laughs> yeah. You know what's so funny? Dads always have that line. I remember when I first asked to go to the movies, my dad said, sure, as long as he can afford an extra ticket. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I'm coming too. And I was like, no, no. And he's like, well, if you're, if you think you're going to the movies this year, then you, I'm coming along. And I was like, okay, that's like that question. But I love that. That's how you met. I love oh, that. Yeah, And we dated on and off. Uh, well, then we dated on mostly just one year off and then got married and 
always wanted to have a big family. So we um, were married for six years before we started having kids. But then when we started, we had four kids in six years and we thought we were done. We were having a blast raising them. And then all of a sudden we had a very big surprise in our life, which is our little girl, Charlie. So, but we've got, my oldest is 22. She lives down in Baltimore. My son is I don't know how he goes to the Ohio State <laughs> right near Just you. Connected about the Ohio State thing before we started recording, but um, so she knows right where. You, next time you come, if you come and visit, you'll have to, have to meet for coffee. I will. I will let you know. We've been out there many, many, many times. I didn't realize how close you were. Yes. So, and then I have a, my daughter is a freshman out at San Diego State, and then my next daughter is sixteen. She's a junior in high school, and then Charlie is in second grade this year. That is amazing. So you have like a little bit of a gap too. And I love that you have a bit. So I have four. So I have a big family also. So today, really, one of the things I really wanted to talk about is Charlie. And that's, you know, what I reached out to you about. And I love that you're, you have um, all of these older kids and that they're spread out San Diego, Ohio State, like they really branched out and went for it. So that's incredible. They did. And I keep telling myself that it's not that they've run away from me, but it's that I've given them the wings and the confidence to go out and live life. <laughs> I, I love that. And think about just that path. I mean, I we talked too, I think, or maybe we didn't, but I lived in Boston when I graduated for six years. And I look back at that time, like how much I grew. You, you do grow moving away and being on your own. So yeah. I love that you've given them that yeah. ability. So yeah. Charlie really was a surprise, surprise. Charlie was a total surprise and complete transparency. I called my mother in the end of July 2013 and said at the age of 42, I think it was, can I be going through early menopause? And she was like, Joanne, you're 42. No. And I'm like, I haven't had my period. And she was like, are you pregnant? And I was like, God, no. And then I went, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Maybe I am. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and a couple weeks later, um, we, you know, on a a Friday afternoon, I, my husband and I were going away for the weekend, and we got in the car, and I said to him, "Um, we need to go get a pregnancy test. And he was like, what, what, why? And I'm like, I'm (laughs) pregnant. And so literally drove to the local in in Hopkinton to the local pharmacy because the Hopkinton pharmacy has a bathroom in it. Yeah. Literally went in, got the pregnancy set, felt like a teenager buying the pregnancy test and went into the bathroom and eat on it. And it was immediately positive. And I thought, okay, maybe it's wrong. It's been a long time since I've done this. I'm trying again. And I was like, oh my word, I'm pregnant. Got back in the car and the two of us sat there in complete and utter shock. He's like, what, what, what do we do? I'm like, okay, we've done this before. <laughs> we've done this like a few times, like maybe four. Went to the hotel and literally laid on the bed, staring at the ceiling, thinking, oh my word, we're starting the clock all over again. Because at that time, the youngest was seven. Right. was 13. And we were at that stage where we were like, okay, we don't have toddlers. We don't have babies. We can breathe a little. Like I can leave the house with the 13 year old in charge and run to the supermarket without bringing anybody with me. And I was thinking, wow, we're doing this all over again. So it was a very big surprise. 
It was a very, very big surprise. And listen, I have to say that Mason was a surprise blessing. I just, Emerson and Mason were 15 months apart, which you obviously did that times as well. And I was kind of like, maybe I'm just super tired. I'm nursing still. So maybe I'm just off because I'm nursing. And then it was like, no, Mason was our our surprise blessing. So I love that Charlie was a surprise for you. So what did you, you know, part of the reason that I really wanted you to be able to share this story is because Charlie does have Down syndrome. Yes. And you know, I'm always so inspired by your posts, by watching Charlie live life, by kind of looking through her eyes at life in general. And so how did, how did you find out? What did you feel like in that moment? I mean, I'm sure that there are parents out there that have been in this, could be even in this moment right now, figuring that out for themselves. Like, what did that look like? And how did you feel? And how did your husband take that on? I mean, you just found out that you, that you were having a baby when you weren't expecting it. And then to find that out, what did that look like? So we did not find out prenatally. Um, We never did the the blood tests or anything like that. The genetic testing with our other children, Um, you know, terminating was not an option for us, for our beliefs. And so I just always thought I'd rather not know than know. Um, And so we did not do any of the testing. And it was interesting because the, Throughout and, and it's only after we got the diagnosis that I then went back and reflected on these things, but that um, my daughter, my oldest, was doing in one of her classes, they were um, researching um, genetic disorders and ge- genetic different things. And she came home and she chose Down syndrome. And she came home and this was while I was pregnant. And she created this whole trifold about Down syndrome. And I remember her saying to me, mom, like you're over the age of 40. Like, does this baby have Down syndrome? And, and, you know, kind of naively, I was like, well, no, I mean, I've got four healthy children and not that that matters anything with Down syndrome, but I'm like, no, I mean, there's four of you and no, everything's fine. And this baby is just going to be fine. And then throughout the pregnancy, there were probably two or three different times that I just had this, like this gut feeling, this unsettledness, this a little bit of um, not pit in my stomach, but just this uneasy feeling. Like what if something, you know, is going to be different or wrong, you know, and I, and now I use this language, but I mean, that was the language I used then beforehand, not knowing what I know now, but kind of that thought process of like, well, what if something is quote unquote wrong with this child? I have goosebumps just in the sense that it's crazy how Sometimes I feel like whatever you believe, God, the universe, all of those things, it's kind of crazy that that's what she chose. And it was almost like as a family, you were already learning before you even knew you needed to know. I know she, she learned so much about Down syndrome before, and this was September and Charlie was born in March. So it just, it is, it is. It's, it's what, and I do, we do, we have a very strong faith and we believe in God. And I believe that God planted some of those seeds along the journey and helping us. Yes. So, you know, so, so it was a typical pregnancy, although it, <laughs> I don't recommend being pregnant in your 40s. <laughs> okay, good to know. It was not easy. Yeah. <laughs> Pregnant in your 20s and 30s is far easier on the body. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we um, gave birth to Charlie and um, 
we we had the, the most amazing doctor I've had who delivered th- my last three children. And she um, kind of left us in the delivery room. And we must have been there for probably a good hour and a half. And we were both just in this stage of like new life, new baby. And we love the newborn baby stage and just falling in love with this little baby girl that we didn't really realize around us that um, we were in the delivery room for so long. They hadn't moved us. Um, The different people kept coming in and checking on us. Um, There was just one nurse that continued to come in and check on us, but they just left us. And then we went up to our postpartum room, but we went up to the room to the floor. And a little while later, our doctor came in and in she came with, she said, oh, you know, I've got the um, head pediatrician here at Mount Auburn, Dr. Sanchez. And in my mind, I'm thinking, she loves us so much that she's coming to check on us. And she's got the head pediatrician coming to check out my baby. I mean, I'm like in this la la land of like, we are so special. We are her favorite patients. And, um, you know, they, they checked Charlie out and as they did, and they were bonding with us, the Dr. Sanchez and talking and asking about our other kids. And it was just this wonderful bonding moment. I mean, I can close my eyes and picture the entire conversation. And then she said, you know, we have some concerns and that's when, you know, your heart goes in your throat and you want to throw up. And, and my head immediately is going to all of these horrific places of the baby's not going to make it, that there's something medically wrong. Their heart, Um, like all of the things. All the things. And then she said, you know, we believe that Charlie has Down syndrome and, you know, and talked a little bit. And and the things that I remember her saying were very specifically, um, she will have an amazing life. She will be an amazing blessing to your family. And Down syndrome is almost like they don't see the bad in the world, but they really see all the good in the world. And those are the things that really stood out to me. And, you know, after the fact, our our doctor, my OBGYN said to me that she knew immediately that Charlie had Down syndrome from her low muscle tone and a few other physical markers. Um, But she wanted to give us that opportunity to bond with Charlie. And that's why she left us alone. And only that one nurse really came in and took care of us. Um, because she knew how, what a hard time I had just accepting another child and being pregnant. Right. And she also wanted Dr. Sanchez to be there. And we were really fortunate because um, there's a geneticist in Boston at Mass General Hospital. His name is Dr. Brian Scottco. And he actually is a sibling. He's from Ohio, actually. Okay. And his sister has Down syndrome. And so his life's work has been around Down syndrome. And so he began and runs the clinic at Mass General. And he had just done an in-service at Mount Auburn just shortly before. And one of the biggest things, one of his biggest pieces of works is that he travels around the world now and educates medical professionals on Down syndrome, on what life is like for someone who has Down syndrome and how to deliver that news to a family. Because I have my story of learning is so uniquely different than I would say probably 99% of the families out there who receive a diagnosis. Typically, the doctors say things like, I'm so sorry. Um, Did you know? Like things that aren't welcoming because of they don't know because of kind of, I think, what the 
what we used to see Down syndrome as versus what we know today. And so they just see it through a very different lens. And so he's really working hard to educate medical professionals so that more people have the experience that Paul and I got to have. You think about my initial thought process in having this conversation with with you was what's school look like? Do you figure out, you know, where she go? I'm, we'll talk about all of those things. You know, what does life look like when she, as she gets older? And I hadn't even thought about the concept that the medical professionals out there, like they are the first ones that engage with the parents with that engage with the baby. And so I love that. I don't love, I love that you had that experience. Um, and I wonder how, how much that is that the work that he's doing is so important because that really did open the door for you. I'm sure you, I know you, you would have been welcoming and loving in all ways, but it just, it's a big, it's a big thing to find out. And they did it in such a special way. And I think even giving you that time to bond, your heart was already there of the get-go. So I love that that's the experience you had. I think that from the get-go, one of the things that having Charlie taught us was the way in which you frame and see things. Because, you know, prior to having Charlie, you know, when I was pregnant, and I said this already, like I used to think like, what could be wrong with this child? And having Down syndrome, I would have considered being something quote unquote wrong, but it's not, it's not good or bad. It's just different. Um, You know, that I used to say like, oh, it doesn't matter if it's a boy or girl, just as long as it's healthy. Well, yes, she was healthy, but she does have, you know, special needs. And so, you know, it's more I frame things now like, you know, it it doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl, a lover or him, no matter what, you know. And so it's just like just having going through this experience has taught me how to reframe things in a different way and see things in a different way. And that was just at birth. <laughs> do you think that that transition happened for you right away? Do you think that, you know, you're leaving the hospital with this gorgeous little baby that you've already fallen in love with and you, even how you announced her or shared or with the rest of the family, was your script already flipped in a positive way? No, nope. Nope. Grief really set in. <laughs> And grief of, you know, and and I've learned after the fact that it's the grief of, you know, having, um, you know, giving birth to to a child who's not what you had anticipated. And so it's going through this grieving process. And no, I mean, I (laughs) eat my ego definitely. And I don't and I don't judge myself for it. But my ego is definitely there. I will never forget the first night I woke up in the middle of the night and she was in the nursery. And I completely, and at that point, I hadn't really, I had cried, but I hadn't really allowed myself to process fully. And I was by myself and I just completely and utterly lost it. And my mind went to like, you'll never work at stop and shop. (laughs) In the moment I was like, you know, which just now I'm like, I don't care where you work as long as you're happy and you're like productive and you're contributing to society. But it's like, that's where my mind went. I remember driving home from the hospital and thinking, um, you know, you'll never have children. And, you know, all of the different things that went through my mind that were all of the things of kind of projecting forward to what I anticipated life to be like for her and for us. 
Um, so no, it was not. It's more, I think it's the exposure to other people who have Down syndrome and to other families that has really changed. It's just watching her grow. It's, um, you know, learning so much about Down syndrome and what is possible for her, that that's really how the narrative it's over time. But it took a good three to six months really to get through that grieving process. Um, So Andrew learning through her every step of the way, that transition, that flipping the script, seeing the world in a different way, seeing it in a positive, she's teaching you that every single day. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So your family, like she starts getting older, bigger, like, is there a great network and organizations that support families? And did you tap into those right away? Yes. So that was one of the things was, is that they put me in touch with Dr. Scott Coe's office immediately. And Dr. Scott Coe had us in, Charlie was seven days old. They booked my first appointment, you know, and I feel incredibly fortunate to live in Boston because not every city has a Down syndrome clinic. Not everybody, every city has a Down syndrome clinic that is as involved as ours is. And so I feel incredibly blessed that we, that she was born when she was born in the hospital she was born with, and that the clinic was still open and accepting new patients. Um, So, but yes, so that right away got us connected in, but what was told to me over and over again is welcome to the most amazing family, the Down syndrome family. And that I will say that it is the most incredible network. Um, I have friends who live in all over the United States who I've never met, but who I am close to simply because we have children that have Down syndrome and we've connected um, on Facebook through the different groups that we're a part of and, and, you know, online. That's amazing. An amazing, amazing, amazing network. I would love to, when we, when this um, launches as well, we have a newsletter. I would love if you have any organizations. Absolutely. You know, for us to connect just if someone's out there that they can also jump in. I'm sure, you know, they found their way also, but you know, anything that we could share would be amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. And not everybody. I mean, I've met families who aren't connected that haven't, you know, had the supports that aren't as connected. And just because, you know, unless you have that initial person who gets you connected or you're the type of person who goes out and seeks that type of connection, it's not every hospital says, here you go. (laughs) Like I was given that immediate connection. So absolutely. So what was the biggest challenge? And I don't know, it could be you know, when it's time for her to crawl and do the things, it's when you started really like noticing, because I'm assuming there were things as a baby, but as she started to grow is when it became more noticeable. Or did you notice right? Even when you brought her home, certain things. Yes, she, there are inherently challenges and obstacles because she has down syndrome that there've been lots of hurdles to overcome you know, low muscle tone, they have to work really, really, really hard to build that strength to be able to sit up, to be able to kneel, to be able to crawl, to be able to walk. So things happen very slowly. But my son, <laughs> who's now 21, yeah. had the biggest flipping head as yeah. a baby. And so he never rolled over until he was six months old. He didn't start, like he did everything really late. We had early intervention with him. He didn't, you know, have a disability 
of the, you know, he just had a really big head, which slowed him down. So he had obstacles. He had all sorts of food allergies. Um, so, you know, there were obstacles with him. So it's, there's no guarantees when we have kids, what their journey, their path is going to be. And each of my kids, I've had stages where we've had some significant challenges and then great, amazing stages where life's been really good. And it's kind of been the same thing with Charlie. Um, You know, it's, it is inherently a little bit harder with her because she wears her disability. And because of her disability, there are things that make life more challenging for her, but then also there's things that make life amazing because of her disability. Okay. I love that. That's the answer. And I think any parent out there, especially a parent, and maybe I should, I'm just saying this because I have more than one, I'm sure single parents experience things like this too, but it is true. Every, every single one of my children is completely different. And even when they're older, there's things that you're like, Ugh, this you're you're trying to help them get through something or on the other side of of something, and so I love that that's how how you're experiencing this life with Charlie. Do you feel like the school system has been really, you know, has it been challenging? <laughs> okay, that was she. What, what? We'll 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 transition to the school system, but I wanted to make this one point, and then I will. Um, I recently, when, when Charlie very first, one of the processes I had in the beginning with her was realizing that when I, when I kind of had that moment, I remember driving home in the car thinking like, she'll never have children. I remember thinking, well, what's to say that one of my other daughters, what's to say that all three of my other daughters biologically are going to be able to have their own children. There's no guarantee of it. What is there to say that, that they would want to, that they may choose not to have children. Like, you know, what my oldest rode horses at the time. And I kept thinking she could get thrown from the horse tomorrow and end up in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. Like we have children. And, and this was one of the things that, that really settled in for me with, because, you know, the, the abortion rate is incredibly high when there is a prenatal diagnosis. And it is, most of the time from a place of not knowing or fear and, and there's no judgment in that statement. Right. But I feel like when we get pregnant to have a child, whether that child starts off with no special needs or with special needs, there's no guarantee that life is going to be any different or easier with them. And I recently had a girlfriend reach out to me whose daughter is um, battling she has um, an eating disorder and has taken time off from college and is in a way living away from home at a treatment facility and getting help. And she recently reached out to me and she said, you know, what came back to me and resonated with me was how, when you said that, like her life right now with her daughter, she is going through one of the deepest, hardest struggles, might right. be harder than any struggle I ever go through with Charlie. Right. She ha- and so I feel like when we choose to have kids, it's, you know, we open ourselves up. We have no idea what the future will hold and whether life will or will not be amazing or challenging or easy or simple or difficult with them. So it's such a true statement. And I've never even thought of that at, at all. Um, and such a, a strong life lesson. And just for anyone out there thinking about having a child, like there's no easy 
path, regardless of what you find out in some of right. those first. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. So, so school. So, you know, <laughs> I think this is one of the other. I didn't go to a school with kids who were different or looked different from me, who acted different from me. Um, I lived in a quiet little town south of Boston where we were predominantly white and predominantly Christian. You know, I think there was like the two Jewish families in town and the one black family in town. Um, And so that was my life growing up and even in college and just as an adult, like I didn't interact with a lot of people who had disabilities and that, you know, one of the things that I do see school systems and our town in particular doing so well is that we have a we we attempt to have a full inclusion model in our town, meaning that starting at preschool, Charlie was in a regular ed classroom with a regular teacher, a regular teacher, a special ed teacher, and some one-on-one paras um, in class with children with disabilities and without. And she has continued to be in that model, learning alongside her peers. And I love that because her peers see her as a equal, as another human being and person, and that their experience is very different than the experience I had. And, and I don't know if you had the same. Yeah, no, same. Yeah. My experience. Yeah. So, and that I think about generations to come and what life will look like for them because they're growing up around children who are not the same as them right how much richer and you know and more amazing their lives will be who don't have the special needs as well as the kids that do have special needs right so you know that being said it's not been easy <laughs> um You know, I think that, and I don't blame the school system whatsoever. I think that, um, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, most decisions in schools are made because of money, that there is a budget, there is certain funds and the funds can only go so far and that it is more expensive to be able to have two teachers in a classroom, have the supports necessary, but all of the research shows that children who learn in a full inclusion model with the right modifications to the curriculum, with the right supports in place that aren't pulled out, that aren't in special classrooms, that the research shows that that, that is the best learning environment for them. And, and I will say the majority, not every single person, you know? And so to date, we've been able to have that for Charlie. Um, it has been, you know, a, I've been very, very, very purposeful in all of our meetings, advocating, you know, pushing. And it's that fine line that you don't want to be the jerk, (laughs) the mother that's in there causing problems. You also are advocating for your child, for the person that's the most important to you. Absolutely. Okay. So I was, my, my question I was thinking in my head was, does Charlie love school? But, and I don't know this to be true. Only from what I see, it feels like Charlie loves everything. Charlie loves life. Charlie brings joy and is curious, but in a very like, she just always looks happy. Is that life with Charlie or is she, is she like, you know, my son this morning that didn't want to go to school because I took him to the play last night and was <laughs> a hard time all morning. You know what I mean? Like, 
what does life look like with Charlie in that way? Yeah. And I love it because, you know, we always say that social media is the highlight reel and everybody sees that the highlight reel of Charlie um, 99% of the time. So yes, inherently there is this joy within her. There is this, she sees this, she has this wonder, this joy, this, um, the way she, she sees the life and the glass is half full, not half empty. Right. But she is a human being with feelings and emotions. And this morning, you know, she was face down on the floor in the kitchen because, you know, she didn't sleep great last night. And so she was exhausted come seven o'clock and was like, I don't want to go to school because I I don't feel good. And I'm like, "Mm, no, you're tired because you woke up too early, but you'll get to school and you'll be fine. She does love school. She loves routine. She loves predictability. She loves um, her friends. She loves her teachers. Um, she loves going to school. She loves riding the bus. She loves Miss Mary who drives her. I love um, that. But, you know, she will yell at Miss Mary and she'll be stubborn and not get want to get off the bus when she gets to school. And she can have lots of really challenging behaviors. Um, yeah. You know, we... She ADHD is something that's very prevalent in children with that or people with Down syndrome. It also runs in our family and it's hereditary. We I was incredibly resistant to start Charlie on um, medication for it. And I am so glad that years ago I did. I, it took me two years. And I, you know, that's one thing I was like, you know, I wish I had started it two years earlier because it allowed her brain to, to slow down enough to actually access stuff. Um, and so she is far less impulsive than she used to be. But um, she, but yeah, so she loves, she does. She loves going to school. But yeah, she does have tantrums and screams and yells and has fits and you know hates me and hates Paul and you know somehow that makes me feel better but I'm like okay so she's just like all of our other children Um, just like all of other kids okay I love that okay so I love this because I feel like I've learned um things that I didn't expect to to learn even from the very beginning just hearing that story and I think I, I we've had a million lessons in general, but what do you feel like is the greatest gift that Charlie has brought you? I'm going to cry. I do this occasionally, but what is the greatest gift? Because she was a gift you weren't expecting in life. And the, there's always a reason that happens to us. So what would you say is the greatest gift that you and Paul and even your, your other four have learned to date with having Charlie in your lives. Okay, I'm tearing up. I'm going to cry. <laughs> no, um, I'm, I have a training call at one and I'm, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, she has inherently changed me as a person. And, you know, the woman that I was before I had Charlie is a very different woman than I am today. And I think that one of the biggest things is that I, I see people and look at people differently than I did beforehand in that I don't jump to conclusions or make assumptions about people, about children, about their lives. Um, I listen, like I listen to people and I don't, I don't assume to know what they're going through or um, 
know what their life is like or that I know more than they do just because I've got a whole bunch of kids. So I think that's one of the biggest things is that she's changed me in that sense that I've slowed down. I'm more intentional. Um, I listen more. I try to really seek to understand because that's what I do with her all day, every day is seek to understand what it is that she's trying to communicate. Because I mean, it is different in the sense that things are much harder for Charlie, you know, communication, um, you know, learning all of those little things that, you know, that are, are neurotypical children just come naturally to them, crawling, walking, speaking, running, climbing, all of those things that my other children just developmentally grew to learn how to do. Charlie's had to be taught how to do very specifically with hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of repetition. Um, so that I think that, so she's, she's changed me significantly in that way. Um, she's changed our child, our children, you know, significantly that they, um, they, they see her first and foremost as an annoying little sister who wakes them up, who gets into their stuff that screams and yells, that's, you know, drives them crazy, but their tolerance and patience for others, how they see other people, how they interact, their empathy that they have for other people, whether that person has just having a hard time is just maybe unique and different or has special needs. Um, it really has changed them. They are fierce advocates for her. Fierce. Don't you mess with their little sister or don't you mess with anybody who has special needs. Um, fierce advocates for them. Um, you know, and I think that, that, you know, one of the gifts and, and as my kids are getting older and they're, they're leaving the house, um, you know, we don't know what Charlie's future will be. Do I hope that she will live independently and have a full-time job? Absolutely. We have no idea. You know, Charlie will show us as she she grows and gets older and she could live with us for the rest of her life. We don't know. Right. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie that that it's, it's daunting to think about that. You know, yeah. that you, you get to a point, especially we've been married for 28 years that we think we're going to have, you know, this life after children. And I don't have that flexibility that, a lot of my empty nester friends have, or friends who have high school kids. Um, but I, as my kids are leaving and my nest feels empty, my heart is still really full because she's here. Yes. And she's snug- And I'm a wicked, I'm one of those mamas that's like, get over here, snuggle me, hug me, squeeze me, just fill this little hole on my chest, or not the hole, but this yeah. spot on my chest where that newborn baby lies. Yeah, she snuggles in there, and she just fills that space, and it's like, oh, she will always, and I know she always will. So yeah. with the other kids, they get, you know, my son's like, okay, I'll hug you. <laughs> right, right. My daughters are like, get on your boob, move it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Charlie just snuggles in. So can't wait to continue to follow and watch the highlight reel. <laughs> the highlight reel. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> after this, I'll get off and I'll post the photo of her face down. <laughs> yes. Listen, we all we all have a highlight reel, right? So, um, right. so I appreciate you so much sharing a little bit about your family and Charlie. And um, maybe again, we'll continue this because I think. Yeah. 
you'll continue to grow and learn as she gets older and what that looks like. And um, I'd love to be a space that, you know, people can learn from you and from your family and from Charlie. Thanks. I would love that. I've loved this. And yeah, because I, you know what, just like parenting in general, it's like, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers around Down syndrome. I'm making it up as I go with the supports I have in place. I get it right sometimes. I get it really wrong sometimes. But that's life, right? And that's, I think that's the one thing that I, you know, I might leave you with is, is that, you know, be curious in life. Yes. Be curious in life. And I think that's one of the things that Charlie has taught me is, is that when I meet people, I'm curious, I'm curious about their story. I'm curious about their family. I don't make assumptions and I don't shy away from asking questions. And, you know, I love when somebody meets us and meets Charlie and talks directly to her, not to me. And is curious and is curious about her and connects and engages with her. And that's, you know, when, when we connect like that, you know, our lives are that much richer and it makes for a better world. After recording, Joanne listened to the episode, called Kelly back and said, you know what, I feel like I want to come back on and talk a little bit about, you know, a different perspective that I now have after listening to myself talk about my family and Charlie. Here is Kelly and Joanne continuing the conversation. So hello, everyone. You just had um, the opportunity to listen to an amazing conversation um, about Charlie. And this is the real real, which is why I love greener grass, because our days are always different and changing. And we always so you know, you don't know this a little insider um, scoop is a lot of times we send the episode to the person that was our guest so they can listen to it. They can think about, you know, is everything exactly how they wanted? And we do that. Carrie and I do that ourselves. And um, you listen to this episode on a day that you were having a really tricky day with Charlie. And I love that you reached out to me and you were like, ah, I want to think about how I shared some of the things. And so you and I had a conversation about that. And I said, you know what, let's just jump on and share exactly how you're feeling and how you felt in that moment of listening and the day that you were having with Charlie, because that will give everyone the full um, picture of how you were feeling, what you shared on, on the day that we first talked, and then what you were feeling when you listened to the episode. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for letting me do this because yeah, I did. I listened back to it. As a special needs mom, I can get overly protective of making sure she is seen as a whole human, um, like my other children are. And that sometimes I overcompensate in my own mind, you know, that it's just like raising my other kids. And when I said that, I very much meant around the fact that, um, you know, it, it all of our kids, there's no guarantees that all of our children are going to have challenges and struggles. And it's going to be, we're going to have hard times and we're going to have great times. But, you know, raising Charlie is very different. And I think raising a child with special needs does come with a lot of um, challenges at very different stages of their life. And it was after a day where I realized, you know, Charlie's eight. And when my other children were eight, she, they did not do the things that Charlie does. And so, you know, I, we live with locks on all the doors because she's an escape artist and will leave the house, you know, that 
it, you know, we deal with behaviors that my other children never had because of her disability. Um, it can be incredibly isolating as a parent of, you know, kids with special needs that, you know, Charlie's a little bit older now and it's, you know, we don't get the calls for the play dates and the sleepovers because she's different than her peers in her classroom. So, it, you know, there are being a special needs parent can be isolating, exhausting, draining. Um, you know, there's lots more doctor's appointments. There's lots more therapies. There's lots more that goes into school with her. So, you know, it is different in that sense, but, you know, it's the same in other senses. So I just, I didn't, I, I almost felt like I painted this very rosy picture and I'm like, I don't want some other poor mom out there who is really struggling thinking, I wish my child who has the special needs, you know, was easier because we really struggle. You know, that there's a there's a lot of hardness that comes with raising Charlie and in it. The, the goodness, luckily, you know, balances that hardness out. But um, it is it's challenging. I love that the conversation went the way that it did. And then now we're we're sharing this because I think for someone that might be in the thick of it or having the bad day, um, it pick, it shows the picture of hope and the joy of it and um, what you gain. And I like the concept of thinking we all have challenges with our kids. I like that you shared that, but also that you're willing to be vulnerable and say, it's also super hard. And there are days that I have really, really hard days. And you're right. There's more of everything. I think for someone that's going through it, um, you want them to feel and know that you feel you feel that too that you too feel all of the more of it and the doctor's appointments and that you have to be so much more on and even thinking you saying she's eight you know I do think because my kids are 11 and 12 I know that's a little bit older but even eight they come home they get a snack they're off playing they're off doing the things like I'm sure that it's not just walking in the door and dropping her schoolwork and whatever it is always being a little bit more on, always being prepared for anything. Yeah, it's, it is. My husband and I talk about the fact that it is, we've had a toddler for a very long yeah. time. You know, she, she requires eyes on 24-7, you know, that she can't be left unsupervised because she will, you know, feed the dogs all the chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> so, so, yeah. And I think, too, that, and this is where I'm going to choke up, but I think, too, that the other part is, is for the parent, like I was before I had Charlie, who doesn't have children with special needs, who, you know, comes across the parent who does have kids with special needs to, you know, not, I don't want to say not pity them, not look at them differently, not feel sad for them or bad for them. Um, but have empathy that's it, it's harder and it's different. Um, you know, include them, invite their kids for the play date. Um, they're a mom just like you. And maybe some of the challenges are a little bit different, but don't their their child is as fully a human as your kids are. And so it's, you know, and you don't have to be going through it to be able to be a listening ear or to empathize or to offer support. You know, I have a 
dear friend who is a foster parent and I am not. And she has been for, you know, over 15 years, 20 years, maybe. And I, you know, listen for hours about the challenges of being a foster parent. I've never been a foster parent. I don't pretend to, you know, that's the other thing too. Don't pretend to know what it's like if you're not living it, that I don't pretend to know what it's like but I'm learning and I'm listening and I'm understanding and I'm seeing her foster kids and the kids she's adopted out of the foster care system through a different light because we're having those conversations and I'm asking the questions and I'm listening. And so parents who don't have kids with special needs don't shy away from having those conversations and understanding, trying to understand more. Thanks so much to Joanne for coming on the podcast, opening up, being vulnerable. It's not easy to do. And we really applaud you. And it was a wonderful story to be brought into. If you are interested, go to the show notes. Uh, We have a newsletter that goes out twice a month. If you want to hear more about about our guests and what we're up to, check that out. Also, we are part of the Digitant Podcast Network right now. And there are so many wonderful podcasts, all focused on health and wellness, including The Expecting Aerialist, my other podcast, super athletic um, types dealing with motherhood and pregnancy, postpartum, prenatal, all of that stuff. So um, yeah, if you're interested in that, if you love working out and you also, you know, are a mom and trying to juggle everything, check that out. It might be right up your alley. And thank you to Asa Watkins, sound engineer. Honor us with a five-star rating and a review where you get your podcasts. We would love you forever. We'd appreciate you. Thank you so much for tuning in to listen. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. This is Rainer Grass. Bye.